Let's go right to the word of God. It's just one passage of scripture that we are going to read. And out of reverence to the reading of God's word and the custom of this house, we invite everyone, if you are able to stand, then we're just going to ask you to do so just for a minute. And we're going to Romans chapter 8. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we read the King James Version, it would add on to that. At the end, it would say, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Just before you take your seats, I want to talk to us today about the topic, no condemnation. No condemnation. Every head bowed in this house. Father, we just thank you so much for this moment and for the opportunity that you give to share your word the grass withers and the flowers fade but it is your word that will last forever so thank you so much for your word that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and we ask that your word would have its way in this house today that it would find entrance in our hearts and that we would live as your word directs us to we ask you to have your way in this house this morning we willingly say that yours is the kingdom that yours is the power and that yours is the glory now and forevermore in Jesus name I promise you can sit now if you get back up after this it's because you're going to be leaving so for those of you uh, who don't know I, I, grew up, I, grew up in, uh, I grew up in Jamaica right? I am uh, the last of seven fairly big family but I grew up to parents who pride themselves on being disciplinarians, particularly my dad. He's one of them guys that figure, if I say it one time, I mean what I say, and that's, that's it. I'm not going to say it a second time. It won't be a third time. Anything after that, we got consequences to deal with. As the youngest of seven, I was always restricted or limited to the things that I was able to do or places I was able to go. Because again, I'm the youngest one. So if I was going to do it, I needed <clears throat> older folks. I needed my siblings to be there. Now, one of my favorite things to do as a kid growing up was to, 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 to imitate my brother. So I'd, I'd walk around with him. Everywhere he went, I'd go with him. Everything he did, I'd do with him. Of course, it got on his last nerves, uh, but it didn't matter to me because I found something that I could do. Now. There's one particular occasion that I want to point out uh, when I was growing up of following my brother around. And one day he decided uh, they, they were going to go for a race. So everybody's in front of my house and we're all hanging out, uh, having a good time. My dad comes out and because I'm the youngest one, he comes out and he calls my name and says, hey, time for you to come inside. And he turns around and he walks back in. Remember, he doesn't talk more than once. Mm, I say, okay. He goes inside, and I stayed out there. I stayed out there. My brothers decided they would go on a race around the block. So they took their bikes, and everybody took off. Now, I wanted to be a part of this race, but I was a little late to the show. I came in, and I jumped on mine, and I cut through the shortcut, and I started to go around the street, and I'm ahead of everybody. I'm about 100 yards away from my, my, my house, Osby. Everybody's up there cheering and celebrating and going crazy, and I'm loving it. A hundred yards away from the house, I hit a pothole. I hit a pothole and went flying. Face first onto the pavement. 
Blow. I get up. Oh, I'm messed up, y'all. I am absolutely a mess. The left side of my cheek is all burnt off, no skin. Right, I split my lip from the inside out. I chipped my tooth. The whole bit, I am a mess. I go walking down the street and now I'm crying on the way home. But I'm crying not so much because of the bruises or the cuts, but I'm crying because my dad told me about five minutes ago, get inside the house. And I was disobedient. Now I'm terrified. I'm going inside. My brother comes and he grabs me, takes me inside the house. And he tries his best to clean me up as best as he could. I'm in there and I get tucked in the bed and I'm covered up under the sheets, trying to hide. While I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm crying my eyes out, Osby. I hear footsteps coming towards my room. Oh, God, the, the, the louder the steps got or the closer he got, the more I started crying. Because I knew what was coming. Or at least so I thought. He gets in the room, he removes the cover off of me, he looks at me, and he shakes his head. He starts to clean me up even further. He looks at me, tucks me in the bed, and says, get some rest. When I tell you I don't know what, what I was supposed to do, if I was supposed to be happy about it or a little more nervous that he let me get off or what, but, but I, I, I share this story because it falls on the premise of, of the text that we just, we just read. I, I was found guilty of something that I did. I was found guilty. Let me, let, me, let me put a disclaimer right here before I even go any further. This message is not for all you goody two-shoe people. So if you've always crossed all your T's and dotted all your I's, this message is not for you. If, if you've always gotten it right on everything, then this message is really not for you. But this one is for folk like me who, who don't always get it right. We, don't, we make mistakes. We, we trip up and we stumble and we fall. We are the people who have weaknesses and shortcomings, right? And we rely daily on God and we rely daily on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to kind of lead us and to kind of guide us into all truth. Now, if you don't find yourself at that place, then this text won't mean anything to you because you don't know what it is to feel condemned. You, you, you won't know what it is to feel ashamed about, about something that you've done or some things that you have done that kind of messes you up. One of the things I've learned about God is, and I grew up in church, and so I've always heard about the attributes, the many attributes of God. And they always talk about how God is omnipotent, meaning he is all-powerful. They talk about how God is omnipresent, right? That he is everywhere at the same time. But they also talk about the omniscience of God, meaning God is all-knowing, right? He, he doesn't lack any information at any given point in time, but he always has everything every source and every ounce of information that he needs. Uh, uh, and so, but one of the things I realized is that many of us don't really recognize what that truly means. Because here's why I say that. Because if we did, then there are things that we do in our lives that we really wouldn't try to hide and do. Because if we really recognize that God knows every single thing about us and everything that we do, then what is really the sense of hiding? But I realized that, that that's kind of how humans are. That's how we are. That's how we've been designed to kind of be in some, some, some situations. So if you go back to the book of Genesis and you look, the Bible talks to us about the fall of Adam and about Eve. 
right? The Bible says that they were in the garden and they were given specific instructions not to do. And yet they disobeyed the voice of God and they found themselves uh, falling into sin. And immediately when the voice of God shows up in the garden, the first thing that they did, the Bible says they went and they hid themselves they're trying to cover and and I believe that's just the human tendency nobody likes to be exposed nobody likes to be put out there and if if you think it's a joke then I bet you you won't turn and tell somebody the thing that you probably did last night right none of us want to really put ourselves out there none of us probably will not confess willingly some of the things that we have done why because we're not feeling good about them or we don't feel particularly proud about those things that we have done or at least some of the things that we have done the word says that we were all born in sin and we were all shapen in iniquity so there is that thing that is inside of us that pulls us as it were, to sin, and we fall, the Bible says. The Bible says all of us, again, have sinned, and we have come short of the glory of God. So none of us really, in truth and in fact, always has it right. We don't always get it right. We don't always get it right. And, and that can be real troubling if you really think about it. But the truth is, if we read the scriptures, it kind of changes your view. And it should kind of change your view. Because if you think about it, right, or if you read scriptures, I found out that every person in scripture, aside from Jesus, is found with some kind of flaw or some kind of fault. The book of Hebrews chapter number 11 talks to us about, uh, it, it describes what is called the, the, the men of, and women that were of great faith, the hall of faith, if you want to call it that. And it outlines for us all of these patriarchs from the Old Testament and the New Testament that have found their way in this book and was given credit because of their faith. They were given credit because of how they believed God. Right, the Bible talks to us about Noah, the first man who I say built the first Titanic uh, uh, that never sank. This guy finds himself, after being used mightily by God, he finds himself in a state of drunkenness. He got naked and just got drunk, wasted. And yet we find him here in the hall of faith. The Bible talks to us about Abraham, who the word describes as the father of faith. This is the guy that every Jewish person reveres and honors because our faith is connected to Abraham. And yet not even Abraham was found to be perfect or upright. Abraham found out to be turned out to be a liar in multiple occasions Abraham would lie about Sarah not being his wife just so his life could be speared now we're not even going to talk about just Abraham but let's talk about Sarah who's considered the mother of faith she also had some serious issues she failed not only to believe God but she would tell her husband to sleep with another woman husbands don't even try it don't even think Think the thought or else there's going to be some serious problems and some consequences. This woman tells her husband, go sleep with our maid so she can produce because I'm too old to bear a child. How messed up is that? And of course, now after the act was done, she was definitely not happy about the whole situation. Then there is David. David, the word describes as one of the men. He's the man after God's own 
heart. This guy is known as the worshiper in scripture. This is the guy the Bible says that danced before the Lord with all of his might. This is the guy that would play an instrument and it would soothe the spirit of somebody that was possessed by a devil. This guy, if anybody else knew God, this guy right here, David knew God, but yet David was a mess. The Bible says that David was an adulterer. David committed adultery. He saw a woman bathing and figured, man, she looks so good. He said, send for her. When she came into his house, the Bible said that she laid down and he laid with her. He slept with her. But David didn't even just stop there in terms of committing adultery. He said, man, I need to cover this thing up. And so he went from committing adultery to now putting her husband on the front line of the hottest battle and he now commits murder and yet David is found here in the hall of faith well somebody's gonna say well that's all old testament then what about the new testament well let's talk about Peter Peter was one of the greatest this is the guy that preached out the church this is the guy who stood up on the day of Pentecost and boldly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ and thousands were added, the Bible says, to the church that very same day. And yet this very same Peter who preached out the church is found to be someone with a hot temper and would, had the nastiest mouth, as it were, and was quick to cut somebody. He is not found without flaw. Paul, the very guy who wrote the very scriptures that we just read this morning, is found as the one who stood by, who was signing letters consenting for people to get killed. These are the people that are found in the hall of faith. These are the people that have found themselves in scriptures. And why am I highlighting all of these things? I'm simply trying to show you that simply because we are serving God or because we have been called by God, it doesn't take away from the fact that many of us still have our struggles can I tell you that your struggles and your flaws does not disqualify you from walking with Jesus can I tell you that your struggles and your failures does not qualify as a disqualifier I dare tell you the truth. In fact, we need our experiences. The things that you have experienced in your life is needed in your walk with God. These are the things that will be a testimony. These are the things that you will tell or should be able and willing to tell others about so that they don't feel bad. One of the things I recognized when I was growing up in churches, no one wanted to tell you about their flaws. Nobody would tell you that they messed up. Everybody held you to such a high standard and you dare not trip. And it made me fearful about talking to people. It made me keep the things that I was dealing with to myself. It made me live, Osby, in self-condemnation and in shame for a long time because I felt like I was the only one that was dealing with stuff. But when I get over to the word of God, I discover that none of us are without issues, that none None of us, I don't care how saved you are, I don't care how anointed you are, how long you've been walking with Christ, all of us 
have an issue. All of us have a struggle. And the thing is that Jesus knows all about our struggles. He is well aware of everything that we have to deal with or everything that we have gone through. Only if we can get to the place where we recognize that the things that we have done, even in our walk with God, they aren't intended for us to feel condemned. They're not supposed to allow us to feel as though we have lost hope of salvation. It is good to feel bad about you did, right? Because the word says that godly sorrows produces repentance. In other words, this is not me trying to encourage you now to go out and sin. This is not me encouraging you to live any way you want or do whatever it is that you want and think it's going to be all right. No, I'm talking to some mature people I believe that is sitting in front of me. People who sincerely love God and get up every single day of your life going, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from all evil. I'm, I believe I'm talking to people who have a desire within their hearts to please God. People who want to walk upright before him. People who who make the effort every single day to do the right things but sometimes the truth is we fall short of that every now and again we might slip up and say some words we ain't got no business saying because somebody might have cut us off every now and again a finger might pop up that ain't supposed to pop up some of us don't want to tell the truth but I'm telling you the honest truth sometimes we do things we ain't got no business doing or saying things we ain't got no business saying and God is saying you don't need to feel condemned about it Paul Paul begins to write and he says there is therefore therefore if he begins that way it means that something preceded the therefore it means he is now talking about something from the past that's going to affect everything that will be present and what is to come. So Paul goes back into chapter 7 before we get to 8 and he talks to us about the law and our relationship to the law. So now Paul is writing to believers, he is writing to Christians. And so now he is talking to us about our relationship to the law. Paul says, I wouldn't have known what sin was. I, I wouldn't know what sin was if the law didn't point out that sin was present. Uh, in other words, I, I wouldn't know that I didn't need to go 90 going down uh, 485 if there wasn't a speed limit sign out there that said 60 miles per hour. I, I wouldn't know that, right? And so if I felt like 95 was it, then 95 was it. But the minute they put up a sign out there that says the speed limit is 60 miles per hour, now it changes everything, which means if you exceed that or you go against what is out there, then then you are going to have to be prepared to feel or deal with the consequences. Paul says, I didn't know that there was sin present in my life until the law came about. The law, the law was the one that pointed out that there was sin in my life. The law was the one that pointed out that you, you're disobedient. The law was the one that pointed out, hey, that you are a liar and a backbiter, that you are a whoremonger, that you are a fornicator or an adulterer. It was the law that pointed that out for us. And so the law became the thing now that we had to try 
try to keep. But the problem is that none of us can always keep all of the laws. And Paul had an issue with that. None of us could get it right all of the time. And so Paul begins to talk about, he says there, there is a law in my body. In, within me, I find that there is a struggle. I'm fighting every single day as a Christian, as a believer. There is that propensity in me that I desire to do what is good. But yet, even within that desire, the evil desire is also present with me. So I I want to do what's right but I don't always do what's right I, I want to go where I'm supposed to go every time but I don't always go where I'm supposed to go there is that tug of war that is going on on the inside of me does anybody know what that feels like when you feel like you're being pulled in two different directions I, I, I want to really do my job but I really want to tell my boss about herself I really want to give him a piece of my mind I, I'm trying to be good about it but they keep pushing these buttons and I'm not totally or completely safe so I want to be nice but there's a part of me that really wants to tell you off there is that tug of war that is going on on the inside and it got so crazy that Paul hollered out oh wretched man that I am he screamed out I can't take this anymore I feel like I am a mess, like I am a wreck because I want to do the right thing, but I don't always do the right thing. I want to please God and keep God smiling, but that doesn't always happen for me. There is that tug of war that is going on on the inside and he cries out, who is going to deliver me from the body of this death? Who is it that's going to set me free? And he comes up with the conclusion that it would be nobody else but Jesus Christ. And so he gets to chapter 8 and he says, because of what Jesus did, there is therefore now, 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 right in this very moment, right in this very moment, there is therefore now in this present moment. See, one of the things about the word of God is that the word of God is timeless. This particular letter was never written to us, but it was written for us. And though it was written thousands of years ago, it is still relevant for us now. And so even though they received their now at the time they read the letter, in this very present moment, Paul is trying to tell us that there is therefore now in this very moment, the minute you have heard this word, then it changes everything. And what Paul is trying to say to us this morning is that because of what happened in the past, there is therefore now in this very present moment, no condemnation but I like that O's we see no condemnation so he talks to us therefore about the past then he says now which deals with the present but then he says the word condemnation and when you look that word up in the Greek it translates to mean uh, uh, it, it is the punishment or the sentence that follows so it, it is something that is futuristic. It, it is what is to come. It is what is to come. In other words, uh, you, you, you're not condemned yet until uh, they have heard the case. They have tried the case. The evidence has been presented. The jury has heard everything, all the arguments, and they have made a decision. And the judge says, you are found 
guilty. Until then, you are not condemned. Once they hand out the sentence to you to say this is the time that you are going to serve, then you are now found condemned. And what they do is they're going to tell you, Osby, about what is to come. They're going to tell you about the time that you are going to serve, right? It is not present, but it's what you're going to live out after the moment. And so Paul looks back at it and get what he is really saying. He is saying that there is therefore, because of what Jesus did pass, in this very moment, you no longer have to feel condemned about what is to come. Oh, you're not getting it. It is about what is to come, which means every single thing that will happen in your life, as far as your failures, your shortcomings, your weaknesses, all has been covered by the blood of Jesus. It's all been covered to those who are in Christ. If you find yourself in the position that you need to be in, what position is that? The position of being in Christ. If you find yourself in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then he says, there is therefore now no condemnation. The thing that amazes me the most is not, it is, it's not that we were sinless. It's not that we were innocent. It's not that we weren't guilty of the things that we're being accused of. So they tried the case correctly. They presented the right evidence. And all the information that they gave Osby, was, it was true. I did tell a lie. I did cut somebody. I did cut somebody out. I did, I did backbite at one point. I, I did, I did some stuff that I had no business of, and I, I was, I was guilty of those things. And so that's one of the things that I realized that the enemy tries to do. He stands before God, and he says, "God, but your word says, thou shalt not lie. That that's what the law says. The law says, you you, you shouldn't steal." But but she just stole God. He 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 just told a lie. He he just cussed somebody out. He just had the nastiest attitude. He he was covetous and mean and he's going against everything that your word says. And he stands before God and he accuses us. The Bible says he stands in the presence of God and he accused us before God both day and night. And the thing I find interesting is that he would say accuse because to me, I'm really guilty. So it's not really an accusation, is it? I'm kind of guilty of the stuff that I'm being accused of. And the problem with that is that Jesus looks at us or God looks at us and he says, I need uh, to hand out judgment. There has to be a penalty for what was done because God is righteous and because God is holy and he cannot stand sin in his presence. But what he does is he looks past the accusations and what he sees is the blood of Jesus. 
What he sees is what Jesus did on the cross in the past. What he sees is that the death has been paid and the Bible says that we have been bought with a price. What price? With the precious blood of Jesus and so the blood is what stands between us and God. It is the blood of Jesus that stands in the middle and he atones for our sins. It is Jesus that stands in the middle. It is Jesus that stands in the gap that prevents us from being sentenced to death. See, the other part of, of the story is this. My fall left me with some scars. My fall after getting off that bike and smack right on my face. It left me with some scars. I still got chipped tooth to this day. It, it, it left me with a bruise on the inside, so the mark is still there. It left me with a couple cuts and scrapes. The things that we have done in our lives, our, our sins, might have left us with some scars, and it, it's left us with some marks, right? So we, 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 we don't forget because sometimes you see that old girlfriend and it, it pops back up. Sometimes... Uh, a situation happened and it wasn't even to you but it pops back up or oh, y'all are acting like y'all ain't never had flashbacks no nobody ever had flashbacks in this room you ever walk past them and you go ooh jeez you get that flashback moment you in the middle of something and, or you hear a song and something flash across your mind and you go ooh the blood those them flashback moments happen sometimes. You, that's what our scars are sometimes. Those be, they, they become the thing that give us a flashback sometimes. And it triggers that feeling of guilt once again and that, that feeling of shame. And sometimes what we really want to do is we, we, we want to, I want to cover it up. I want to hide it. I'm telling you, when I got cut on my face, Osby, I had to go back to school. My dad didn't care. He was like, listen, you made your bed. You're going to lie in it. So it healed up for a little bit, but he made me go back to school, scar and all. So I was going to go to school all exposed and out there. And I was like, no. I went in the room and I got me a nice little rag. Osby, and I walked around like this. I lie not to you, I promise you. I walked around with a rag over my face because I was not pleased with the scar that my fall left on my face. Some of us have these scars because of the mistakes that we have made and they cause us to feel bad and we turn them into self-condemning thoughts. We begin to speak negative words to ourselves. But can I tell you something? Your scars are not supposed to be hidden because anything that is hidden would never be healed. I realized that it wasn't until I decided to take this off my face and allow nature to take its course that the body was able to rejuvenate itself. The things that you have done, they are not who you are. Let's get that right. You are not what you have done. 
What you did was an act. Who you are is the son of God. You are the child of God. Who you are is you are redeemed from the hand of the enemy. What you have is an action. That's what it is. That's all it is. It's an act. It is not who you are. And sadly, we have allowed our actions to define or dictate who we are. But your action in a moment of weakness, and I'm not talking about living a lifestyle. I'm talking about an act, a moment of weakness. A moment of weakness does not define who you are. And Jesus already knew every single thing that each of us would deal with. Everything that you would do. He was, listen, can I tell you, you never catch God by surprise. God is never reactive. He doesn't react. Right? The Bible says that he works from the ending of the thing before the beginning. He works backwards. And so there is nothing that you are going to walk into that he wasn't already aware of. And can I tell you that the cross of Christ already took care of it. And that's why Paul is able to write. And he is writing, Osby, I find this interesting. He's not writing to unbelievers. He is not writing solely to sinners. He is writing to the church. Many of us are sitting in here. We are saved. We love God. We are walking. We're doing the best we can every day. And yet we are living in a state of condemnation. Living and so we're constantly going back to God over and over again for the same thing. Going, God, forgive me. God, have mercy. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, for the same thing. Can I tell you? The blood already covered it. It is already covered under the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is powerful enough. The Bible says that it reaches to the highest of mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley, meaning it reaches the richest of rich and it gets to the poorest of poor. The blood of Christ does not discriminate on, on the color of our skin, on, 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 on our, our, our financial status. It, it does not discriminate on whether we are rich or poor, high or low on our career. It, it does not discriminate on, on any status that we like to place on ourselves. The blood covers all of us and we all stand in need of the blood of Jesus every day of our lives. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. Everyone standing to your feet, I'm through. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www dot linkchurchnc.org.